done uh, with my esteemed co-host, Nancy Hopkins. And we are very pleased to have a, a special guest, uh, Mr. Cal Washington, who is the co-founder of the In Power Movement, uh, with us today. So, uh, good morning, Cal. Thanks for joining us. Oh, good morning. Glad to be here. All right. Well, for those of you who are not familiar uh, with the In Power Movement, there is a remarkable development that uh, In Power Movement has been cultivating and um, through trial and error uh, and just a, a growing, um, I would say, potentially um, revolutionary tool, which is the notice of liability uh, when it comes to such issues as uh, smart meters and uh, 5G and health sovereignty. Um, so, as we know, as you know, all of you listeners to Radio 5G are aware, these are some of our main focuses. Um, and when it comes to blending a, you know, a divinely inspired tool with smart, savvy, civic action, legal action, political action that can help turn the tide and that is a tool that can be used uh, not just in the U.S., not just in Canada, but uh, potentially globally. This is a very exciting development, so we are, are really so glad to to have you with us, Cal. Um, so would you like to just share with us a little bit about um, how you came to uh, to co-found uh, the Empower Movement and a little bit about your, your background and, and what led you into this work. Okay. Um, it started with, uh, it really actually started with a labor dispute and um, I ended up uh, in a in a labor sort of uh, legal action against the biggest law firm in my city my my ex employer had hired and that was my first uh time that I had to read large legal type documents and um you know went through the nausea when you when you first get them and um you know not physical nausea but feeling of nausea and and anxiety and and dread and um, but I plowed through, I read them numerous times and then the anxiety, you know, uh, subsided and I was able to, to see by looking up some of the words, etc. you know, what was being said and I could find the holes in it. Then I ended up in a divorce. Uh, I still what, didn't consider myself, um, legally adept. Um, so I hired a lawyer and that turned out to be a disaster and I lost my home and, and everything. And, uh, had to had to start uh, representing myself and um, went from one process, one sort of, um, you know, guru to the next, learning whatever they learned. I learned about the capitalized name and the birth certificate and all of that stuff that some uh, some of the listeners may know about. That was my first introduction to it. And so I tried all those things and um, and got spotty results and um um just got you know more arrested and um 
it, it, it didn't seem to get the results that um, were expected. So I just kept going, trying to learn more. Went, you know, go to the next thing and try that, go to the next thing and try that. I just tried, 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 and tried. And then I came across uh, Commerce, and that's when the light bulbs started going off. I could see all the mistakes that I had made um, that weren't mistakes in, in the statutory world, but there were mistakes in commerce. And then I realized that that's what was going on. And so I started to try commerce. It was just the next thing that I was going to try. And so the very first instrument that I put in, the judge ran out of the room, and that was way different than what I had experienced um, up to that point, you know, a couple of years at least. And um, so once we we figured out that he ran out from because of the document, because we didn't know, I, we just thought he was sick or something. Um, we started doing more and more and, and still and got more of that same um, uh, reaction from the from the judges. So we knew we were on to something and just kept learning more and more and 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 diving in because it seemed to be like, this is the thing that we, this is going to get us, you know, get me out of this, out of the situation I'm in. So long story short, um, I ended up probably about a year ago went by, you know, as was said here, the tide is, uh, the waves keep coming in, but the tide is going out. So there was still this ebb and flow, but the tide was definitely turning and, they were starting to run from me rather than me from them. And um, so there was still at least a year, year and a half um, of that. And then they arrested me and held me without bail uh, pending a trial. Yeah. So that was the first time they'd ever done that. And um, so I was ended up um, being held for 60 days uh, pending a one day trial. It just took them so long to get jurisdiction. They couldn't, couldn't move forward. At the end of that, they ended up um, owing me a large sum of money. And um, once I got out, we went in, we started to try and collect that. So we had to learn more and more and more and more research and, and trying different things. We came across, uh, I went to another, actually went to another seminar in New York and uh, learned a lot more there. And, um, was able to put together a document based on what um, what we were given there, and um, that caused such uh, turmoil in the government and in the court system that we knew we were we were onto it. There was no more you know thinking it's coincidental. It was um, they were definitely uh, afraid of this, so um, they still didn't pay, and. Through meditation, I was told to stop going after the money and go after the queen. Now, I'd already defaulted all of the government um, agencies, the court, the provincial government, and then the federal government, and um, going after the money. So I'd used the process, the same process, like a three-step administrative process. And some of the top uh, governmental people left their job on the day they got mail and it was more than one. So it was not coincidental. And, um, so I was told to stop going after money and go after the queen. And when I, I agreed to that. And when I realized 
to go after the queen, I had already done the whole process in commerce and it was the exact same process I would need to go after the queen because I defaulted everybody and you have to approach her in the, in the proper way. So I put together a large document. It was almost a ream of paper uh, and I sent it to Buckingham Palace. And um, after that, the government and courts, even the police were literally out of my life. Um, like, the, the, and they, and they still are, they, they, they don't exist to me really. They, um, they're just completely out. So, um, I was just carrying on with my life. Um, and I was starting to help other people. Saw the same type of reactions from the judges, etc. So it was very clear that commerce was what they were operating in and they were, um, they felt some kind of liability um, to it. So long story short, a friend of mine, Josh Del Sol, he made a movie about smart meters and it was very successful. He was teaching um, people about the dangers of smart meters. But what he felt every time he did a showing was where people were walking out of the theater in a state of fear or uh, shock or basically negative, uh, a negative state of mind because there was no solution to it. It was just the problem and the problem was very dire. So he asked me um, if there was something that I could do as far as a solution. And I looked at it and I realized this was also commercial and took the document that had caused so much trouble with the, um, with the government in my personal case and adapted it for smart meters. Then he came, he wanted me to come and speak to a group in Seattle and I went there reluctantly and the room kind of lit up when I was showing them the document and, and um, there was something that happened there and it it was unique. So uh, within a month we were, we were asked to go to Detroit and I spoke there again. We showed the movie and we, and we spoke. Uh, I spoke there again on the document. And again, about the people lit up. So it just kind of evolved into uh, we now have a, a process and it looks like a lot of people want to do it. And um, it, it just kind of had took on a life of its own. Well, uh, just a, a couple of questions spring to mind here. So when you're talking about the judges, you know, the first judge ran out of the room and then as you know the process evolved you saw that um you know dealing in commerce and working within that system moving it out of statutory <clears throat> excuse me um that that's when you knew you were onto something and and on it went until you know you sent the the big document to, Buck, to buckingham palace but what i want to ask is so what is it that these judges know or have been trained in such that when they see this approach, this document, they immediately, you know, you say back down, freak out, run from the room. Um, Because this is, you know, this is a question that uh, comes up for a lot of people has come up for me when you talk about in the U S I'm like, Hey, if you see the gold fringed flag, uh, you know, in the courtroom, you know, you you know, you're under admiralty. And so, you know, beware. Um, have you found out in the course of of this whole work 
Um, you know, is there at some point, whether in all law schools or some kind of judicial training, wherein judges are trained and made aware of this sort of parallel system that if it is invoked in the right way, in the right case, their hands are tied and they they run from the room. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, I don't know of a, of a course. I've never seen it uh, listed anywhere. But it was my experience that most of the lawyers did not know what I was talking about and thought it was absolutely ridiculous and had no merit whatsoever. And most of the judges did, although they wouldn't let on, like they wouldn't verbalize that, but their their body language and their actions um, were spoke very clearly. So it, it dawned on me that the the judges, and it's not, I don't think it's all of them. Um, generally, the ones in the lower traffic type things uh, didn't understand it, but it seemed like anybody in the Supreme Court situation or the old or the not not older in age but um the the judges that have been judges for many years um they understood it to varying degrees uh, or at least knew that it was um real whether they had specific knowledge of it or not they they did know that it that this was a real thing so there was some kind of training when you became a judge at a certain point um, that would be my guess on that. Can I can uh, I cut in here for a second? Hi, yeah. Nan, Cal. This is Nancy. Um, I don't know that they have the same thing over in Britain or any place else, but in the United States there is a book. It's t- I think 212 pages that judges use when confronting the concept of a sovereign being coming into an admiralty court, and all of the ways that. We could go in there and all of the ways the judges have of trying to stop us. And yeah, one, yes. one of the thing one of the things in this to just to get people to kind of understand what we're talking about is that when you go in front of a court and they say your charges are blah 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 and then they say, Do you understand? Well, in common law, understand means do you understand the charges? But in admiralty law, it's a trick of legality that says, "Will you stand before this court?" And if Correct. you go, a- yeah, and you can actually say, "No, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand." And until you say that, they cannot proceed because an admiralty court was designed to be the negotiating, let's say, enterprise between ships that came into a port and the merchant that's trying to buy the stuff. That's where it's initially came about. That's why it's called Admiralty Court. But to 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 go to that court, each of the people that's involved had to agree to it. So that's the kind of trickery that's done. But yes, you know, you're right, Michael, there is a textbook on this. Okay, that's yeah, that's good to know. Um you know, if you've seen Steven Spielberg's recent movie on Abraham Lincoln called Lincoln, right? His uh, his son Robert is at Harvard Law School. It's in the middle of the Civil War. He comes back to the White House to visit his father, and he, he wants to join the army before the war is over. He doesn't want to have been somebody who didn't serve when all these people are dying, right? And he says, you know, I and and he says, 
he says to Lincoln in this one scene, you know, I'm tired of studying British Admiralty law. I don't give a darn about British Admiralty law. (laughs) And it's funny because, you know, it's like, well, maybe you should, Robert, you know. Uh, Anyway, this um, this, you know, the way this unfolds is particularly fascinating to me, um, Cal, when you're talking about having to, you know, take it to the Queen, take it to Buckingham Palace. Now, to me, the question of, okay, where was the leverage or the threat or whatever consequences that invoking this system, invoking in the notice of liability and sending in this, you know, 500-page document, I am really intrigued by the notion of there being sufficient leverage of some kind of undesired consequences to the palace, to the crown, such that they would leave you alone, you know, because I'm I worked in a movement to establish a, a new international court of human rights for five years. And it was all about, hey, this 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 can't be just a show court. It can't be a tribunal where we say we accuse George W. Bush of war crimes and he's a bad man. But nothing happens. You know, if a, a judgment is not rendered that can result in the seizure of assets or someone going to prison, it's meaningless. Right. So we were looking to use existing um, fast track methods of enforcement, you know, and get sufficient um, jurisdiction to be able to do to do that. So, you know, it was always going to come down to if you want to stop the systematic crimes of the elite, you know, you, you have to create consequences for them such that they will back down or, you know, because they're not going to do it voluntarily just because you pointed out that they're bad people. So um, can you share with us a little bit about what you think? I mean, what, you know, why would the palace back down? Um, what was it that, you know, in, in the documents, in the use of this approach that would threaten sufficient consequences for them to say, uh, you know, we better just leave this guy alone because otherwise such and such is going to happen and we don't want that. Can, can you go to that a little bit? Yeah, it gets gets out there. But um, so the the whole commercial process was they were all in default, had not paid. And I had I had um, uh, so I wrote what's called um, a mandamus. And that is a uh, it's an order from a higher court to a lower court. It's Latin. So it's a it's a process in it's one of the prerogative writs. It's it's um, from the common law. It's also spiritual. So I wrote a document now that the queen, in order for her to have possessions, and I believe she has possession of the whole thing, the whole planet, whatever it is, um, because of the wording in her oath. So her oath, in order to get that, she had to defend the the book called the, the Holy Bible. That's the key. It's a contract. And so they vilified the, the the Holy Bible to the point where nobody reads it because they feel it's this, that, or whatever. And what I found is every time I do a, uh, you know, I just, just out of curiosity, every time I do a public speaking, I ask how many people do not have an opinion about the Bible. And of all the speaking engagements that I've done, two people 
have don't put their hand up and said, I don't have an opinion about the Bible. I'm, I'm neither here nor there about it. Everybody else had an opinion. Then I asked the question, how many have read it? And it's usually around 10%. And mm-hmm. so the fact that everybody has an opinion about the Bible is, is remarkable in and, in and of itself. But the fact that people have an opinion about something they have not read, that tells you that your opinion is not your own. You've got it from somebody else. Somebody else told you something about the Bible and you've believed it and therefore you don't read it. But if you do read it, you you can start to find out that that this is a contract, especially if you have that in mind. And you'll find things in there that the queen is must uphold. And so when you see these people putting their hand on a Bible and swearing an oath in order to run a country, like in the United States, in Canada, um, in any of the Commonwealth countries, and some of the European countries, that's a contract. But we're not reading our end of the contract, so we don't come with our, our claim, our, our rights in that contract. We think we have human rights based on some uh, a group called the UN or the group, this group or that group that gives us our rights. Well, no, our rights supersede all of that stuff. There's higher jurisdictions. And that's, that's the key to this. You have to understand what's going on and that we're put inside of boxes that are inside of another box, which is inside of another box, which is inside of another box. And until you can get out of those and see them from from a higher vantage point, you think you're you're um, you have you're under this impression that this is the remedy. The remedy is in here. Well, it's not. It's it's higher. And uh, on page one of the Bible, you'll see that. Um, God created Adam, and Adam is actually a recent being, like mo- like the seven billion of us are are a recent being, and um, He gave dominion to that being. That's that's our claim, and we're not bringing it forward, and we're not bringing it forward in the correct way. We think our rights come from some authority that has claimed that authority, and and all of that is just claims and. We need to realize what's been going on and how deep the deception is that we have dominion here. And there's no reason for any uh, son or daughter of Adam to pay to live here. Because no other living species all the way down to bacteria pays to live here. It's all been imposed and we just were born into it and we think this is how it is, but it's, it's not designed this way. It's it's been there's an imposition. The, the whole idea of countries and money and all that stuff has is our ideas that somebody has implemented a long time ago, and we come in thinking this is how it works. Well, it doesn't. It it's not it's not part of the original design. Wow. Well, that's that's really fascinating to me. So so it sounds like you're saying that you know you send the big document to Buckingham Palace. Whoever it is, you know, that whose job it is to read it and see the approach you're taking, the the sovereignty you're invoking, the, you know, um, the divinely bestowed sovereignty that there is whether or not it ever got back up to the queen's desk personally, that the chain of command that there's somewhere along that chain of command, there's a recognition that, oh, okay, this guy is actually invoking the underlying dynamics of the queen's entire power and status. 
And Correct. therefore, rather than have that brought up further or energized further by our continuing to persecute this guy, let's just leave it be. He's touched the magic, you know, live wire and let's just not go there. Is that kind of your impression of what how it might have unfolded? That that's correct. And earlier on, I I was in a driving um, driving out insurance. Uh, I had two cases running, and the second one was a stronger one than the first one. And I I did a rescind, and I did it. I wrote a, a rescinding document, but then I read it out loud in front of witnesses, and I invoked archangels to come and listen. And that was uh-huh. written in the document. Mm. I sent that all the way up to the UN and and I believe to the queen and like, you know, the so-called leaders of the world. I sent that on a Monday and I was supposed to appear in court on a, on a Thursday, I believe. And Wednesday I got a call from the police officer who didn't know my phone number, um, not to show up that it was canceled. Wow. So the, two days. Yeah, so, the, so the knee jerk reaction was was immediate within within a couple of days. The case was gone. And he said, you know, we may bring it up later on, but don't don't show up on Thursday. And they tomorrow. never did bring it up. Nope. So then, I, like I said, about a year later, they went after the original driving without insurance, which was a way weaker case. Um, and they arrested me at work and held me just, you know, just to see if they could shake it out again. And that's when. You know, they ended up in the in the large debt, and then that debt ended up on the queen's desk, and that's why they just like, nope, we're done. Wow. Well, it it's interesting to me because I have a uh, some experience in a, a similar situation where the queen was obligated to uh, follow through um, on something that was based in this kind of, you know, ancient con- contractual dynamic, you might say, that in, in a way that she was very displeased by. Uh, cutting to the chase here, this has to do with uh, <clears throat> a pretty formidable attempt to linearly restore the original Order of the Knights Templar. And I was deeply involved in that at a, at a leadership level uh, for a number of years, it was part of the effort to to create a new and viable international court of human rights that would be enforceable. And so the process was was followed very carefully in terms of all the different ways that you can um, restore uh, an actual order of chivalry under customary international law, chivalric protocol, canon law, et cetera, et cetera. And um, a... You know, orders of chivalry get founded by a sovereign. There has to be sovereign patronage, whether it's a king or a queen or a pope or a head of state under chivalric protocol, customary international law. That's what an order of chivalry is. And um, so you had to find a lineal descendant, a living lineal descendant of the original king, uh, which was Baldwin II in Jerusalem in 1118 AD, who granted sovereign patronage to the Templar order. So long story short, such a guy was found, and he actually had, you know, he was a descendant of of the of the, uh, the kings of man, um, and the, there was a you know Elizabethan connection. So what what they did was they through the Anglican Church they legitimized the guy's descent, and they 
um, said, okay, well, he is actually the holder of the title of the king of the independent kingdom of man, non-ruling, non-territorial royal house, which has what's called fons honorum, which literally means source of honors, such that he can create an order of chivalry. You know, it's like the Bourbon kings in France after the revolution. They were out on their butts because in came the revolution, but then they were restored 30 years later, you know, after Napoleon. Um, meantime, they were a non-ruling royal house. So to cut to the chase on this, um, they gazetted this in London. They just put it out, okay, this has been acknowledged by the Anglican Church, etc., etc., and um, and so the queen, because they had followed this process, was obligated by virtue of these ancient modes of of law of you know of deep contracts going back centuries if not millenniums to recognize this guy. His name was David Howe. He was an automobile executive in Baltimore. Right. As the king, she had to address him as our royal cousin. And reports are that she swore like a sailor and threw things <laughs> when she heard <laughs> this. But she had to sign it. The queen had to she, because they, you know, the, the correct procedure had been followed. And no one was discovered that in recognizing this automobile executive in Baltimore as her royal cousin, like he had to be invited to the royal wedding. She had inadvertently enabled the lineal restoration of the original order of the Knights Templar, you know, which was being used to set up um, an international court of human rights that could take the cabal to task uh, in a meaningful and enforceable way. I mean, yeah, that's well, that's when we really started to get interfered with um, because, you know, we had we had gone to the right button, the right historical button to push such that um, it was invoking the powers and the consequences by which they live, you know? So it, it sounds to me like this is, is, does that ring a bell? Is that, you know, the kind of dynamic we're talking about here? Well, it's, uh, I get it, but it's still based on you. Ha you had to get, a, you had to get authority from the guy in Baltimore. Uh, okay. Yeah. You see, so there is still that that claim stands, and although she had to call him cousin on all that, and she was maybe not happy about it, but it didn't it didn't remove. You weren't above it. You were you were within it still, because those uh -huh. that whoever the the uh, ancestor of the guy in Baltimore is, that being was the king because of a claim. Right. So it's like the divine power of kings. They're anointed, you know, and it's supposed to be anointed by God through some, you know, bishop or pope or whatever. So it's still indirect and it's still about, a, you know, an intermediary, an earthly intermediary rather than a, a direct sovereign status. Ex Would that be ex right? Yeah, exactly. So when the Israelites came out of Egypt and established themselves, they wanted a king like everybody else. And, and God said, why do you want a king? I'm your king. You have a direct um, link to the, to the original creator. Why would you want to have an intermediary? And so they, they did it. Um, but there is a direct link going. Like Yeshua said, you are in the world, but not of it. Uh, and the kingdom of God or the jurisdiction of God is within you. Like we have a higher 
higher standing than what is what what is apparent here and that's where you want to go because there's nothing that any of them can do with their claims like i'm the king and you're just another being on this planet you know when you step way outside this planet however that all that works you're just another being on this planet just like a bird or a, a worm or a or a piece of back you know like a, a bacterial culture you're a living organism here you are not a king that's a claim yeah Wow. Well, let's go to the notice of liability, which is, you know, the, the key um, tool contribution that's that's happening from that's, a, you know, evolved from all of this with Empower Movement. And everybody, by the way, that's you can go to Empower, Empower Movement, one word, dot com, um, which is the organization that Cal Washington uh, co-founded and they're covering uh, remedies of various kinds to do with 5G and smart meters and vaccinations. So, um, can you can you share with us um, what? How is this progressing? How is it going? How are people using the notice of liability? What kind of um, success have you had? Well, we did uh, we did like the the Seattle, Detroit, and and a, and a city in Canada uh, as more of a manual thing so we you know we literally did the documents manually and we got um we got some results some you know we it was never it's not like 100 percent. nothing is but um many people kept their analog meters um many still have them and we we got the same sort of um a lot of people stepping down from high high positions so um Mayors, city councilors, uh, heads of um, installation companies. Um, we had a lawyer, a, uh, a bigwig lawyer. He was he was a lawyer for the city in in Michigan, and he actually wrote a letter uh, on when he got his notice of fault um, after he'd already written saying there is no basis in law for what you're doing. Then he wrote a letter as he was stepping down from his position and um, admitted that. Um, lobbyists are are paying the the, the legislators uh, lots of you know lots of money, and he had an actual figure in there. And we looked him up, and he was um, a who's who lawyer, and he was Opus Dei. And I think what scared him more was the spiritual aspect of this, because we're invoking archangels, and and I think some of the beings here do understand that there are other. Um, off-planet type beings that do have the authority and the um, the ways and means to enforce something. They just need something to enforce. That's the problem. And um, so we have to sort of wake up and understand that we are an important part of what is going to happen here. And we have to make choices and then we have to do actions that, um, that are in line with those choices and then stand on it. Well, this is this is great to hear for me because you know when I was involved in this movement to found um, a new international court of human rights, the 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 whole point ultimately. I I sat down here in in southern Colorado with the widow of the former undersecretary general to the United Nations, who occupies she occupies a rather unique position in that. Um, She's an environmentalist, a true one. She is an interfaith activist um, with, you know, understanding of mysticism. 
And she was pretty much, you know, a card carrying member of, of the committee of 300. And, you know, we used to go to Davos every year to the big, you know, gathering of, of all the, the elite. And she told me that she and her husband did this in order to, as she put it, to keep an eye on the super predators. So they were kind of in both worlds and then they went a little bit too far and they got um, ostracized and, and turned on. Um, but I was sharing with her, this is a few years ago, three, four years ago, um, this movement to create a new international court of human rights. And she just laughed. She just scoffed and said, you know, the rule of law is corrupted. The rule of law really no longer exists. You know, it, it's just, you know, good luck, kid, was basically what she was saying. And I said, you know, I know that. I do know that what you're saying is largely true about the corruption and the justice system. I said, but we have no choice. If the human family doesn't get its act together and restore the rule of law on a divine level of the golden rule, we're toast, we're done. If there aren't consequences such that the human family can say, uh, we're actually reclaiming our sovereignty, we never really lost it, we just haven't been using it, and there are consequences, and this is the divine order, and you have stepped outside of it, and there are consequences. To me, it's like that's when you get the angelic help or you get benevolent ET help if there is such a thing. You know, people talk about, you know, Galactic Federation has their, you know, prime directive, they don't interfere unless they're asked, etc. So this is, this is really interesting um, for me to hear. Nancy, I just want to ask you to chime in here um, because I know this has got to, you know, hopefully I would imagine touch a lot of buttons for you. What are, what are your thoughts on, on where we are right now? I'm just fascinated with what Cal's saying because he's he's actually taken it and brought the the spiritual world right back where it's been so manipulated to control us with a like hey I got the trump card no pun intended you know <laughs> I I know who you are now I know how to deal with you because I am a spiritual being in a human body and the fact that 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 they i mean we 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 have so many angels out there that can help us in all sorts of versions of angelic energies and yet we do not call them forth in our our lives because we've been told not to and yet i can say that you know i am seeing watching a movement of spirituality that is reflected in how many people are now talking about God. You know, not God as a religion, but God as some kind of a force, a source, whatever you might imagine it. And I'm talking, you know, people that are on the radio with me, the hosts, they're changing, the people that we, we chat with, they're changing. You can see it, it's just seeping through everything. And so the facade that, we've been fed concerning the 3D world and our limitation and you know there is no such thing as abundance you're all in a state of scarcity and fear Pr bringing that all on that it's eroding and to have you say that you know you've been working on this for a while well your work whether it touches very many people in the 3D it is 
obviously part of what is going into the subconscious, the, the super consciousness of humanity. You know, it's like, yes, we're doing this. Look at this. We're doing this. We're doing this. And it's just everything is coming together. And I am really deeply uh, appreciative of the work that you've done here and your ability to, to kind of explain it to people. So that's all I wanted to say. Go on with the show. Amazing. Brilliant. Well, thanks. All right. Yeah. Well, um, you know, this is what you're describing, Cal, um, is is putting in mind, we have some friends in um, what's called the Temple of Saqqara, founded by a woman named Mary Hardy in Michigan. And they have this protocol that they practice um, using toroidal energies, which is called the Holy Grail Vortex Protocol. And she's been doing this work for about 25 years. It's Templar-inspired. She This was sort of a download for her some years ago. And she and, and the people that have gathered around her um, will go to key power places on the planet and and perform this simple ritual, this simple protocol of utilizing total energies, calling in um, you know divine uh, guidance and, and empowerment. And many times they will go say to Stonehenge, you know, or to Glastonbury, and guided you know, at a key moment when something's going down and they say, okay, we're supposed to go to near Stonehenge. You can't go right among the stones. Um, and they'll perform this. And it's maybe 10 people standing in a circle without touching each other. Just they'll do the what's called the great invocation, which is a universal prayer. And then they um, perform this ritual of invoking these toroidal energies from the earth and, and from uh, the divine. And many times they start doing this within about 30 minutes, they will get buzzed by black helicopters or SUV, black SUVs with tinted windows will pull up, you know, a few yards away and start to monitor them. But interestingly enough, so these intimidate, this happens, you know, many times. So they know, okay, they're piercing through an energetic grid that is being monitored and, they are immediately harassed. However, they're not apprehended. They're not arrested because there are the hidden rules, like, mm -hmm. you, like you're talking about here, Cal, that even the queen had to obey. And Mary Hardy, who's like in her late 70s, early 80s now, said that essentially what that's about is because they're not using a physical device because they're simply standing in their sovereign power as souls and invoking the aid of the divine and using these, you know, sacred science of the toroidal energies, they can't be touched. That, you know, that there are the rules and, and the bad guys know the rules too. And they're under contract too. And uh, it's a pretty amazing thing. And they, they've also recently um, come to an understanding of the frequency um, involving the virus and that the frequency can actually be interfered with by some of these same sacred tools, which again, you know, um, if you want to talk about censorship and getting pulled off of YouTube or Facebook because you're equating, you know, the virus with, uh, oh, something like fifth generation or, or whatever else you want to say. Well, here again, we're using the divine connection. We're invoking divine protection. And it's as simple as saying, Oh, well, we're just praying 
in a scientific way so that people won't get sick. Got a problem with that? <laughs> you know, and of course they can't touch you, you know. Um, so this is, yeah, this is very uh, exciting stuff for, for us. You know, this hits us where we live because um, an example springs to mind, um, what was it, a year or so ago, <clears throat> in Taos, New Mexico, the county commissioners were about to fast track language changes to the land, the land use regulations uh, to allow a backdoor rapid approval process for um, small cell towers to be installed throughout Taos, which is you know, beautiful mountain town, famous for its culture and art, um, to, you know, to bring in 5G. And some of us woke up, and I went down to work with the activists down there, and um, we had 300 protesters show up to the Taos County Commissioners meeting at which they were getting ready to fast track this language change. They had a thousand signatures. Taos has 10,000 people. So this is literally like 10% of the population saying, whoa, um, a little moratorium here, please, while we look at, you know, the potential effects of 5G. Um, and we tried to point out in a gentle way, and boy, if we'd had the notice of liability, it could have been more than gentle. We say, well, look, county commissioners, we understand you're, you know, just trying to do your job here. Do you want to be personally liable for children getting sick, for people getting cancer, for, for miscarriages, for all the other, you know, documented consequences of exposure to, you know, millimeter microwave radiation? But if we'd had the notice of liability, <clears throat> we probably could have gone a lot further because, I mean, it was a scene. I was there. Um, I was one of the people who testified. But they just steamrolled it through anyway. You know, they, they – I mean, we had expert witnesses. We had concerned citizens. We had 300 people show up. Um, they were intimidated, but not enough to make them change whatever, you know, marching orders they got from the corporations. So uh, it's a perfect illustration, you know, if we had invoked archangelic help, if we had invoked, I don't know whether these county commissioners would have been smart enough to know that, you know, a divine contract was being invoked, that they were going to have to, you know, that they were going to have to follow, probably not. But boy, it sure would have been nice to have this tool in our hands. Well, the, the spiritual aspect, it, whether they understand it or not, they do they do follow. There's something um, and they won't even know why or how that's it's happening. It's it's happening on a different level. Um, I'll just say that um, there are s some beings who do understand this, you know, if you were to explain it. But there's others who um, they won't know why they're like, I just don't feel like doing that and uh, that, that kind of thing. So, um yeah, as far as the uh, – I, I, I did study that lady years ago. I, you brought it up, and I went, hey, I remember um, a lady doing that and uh, the, the black helicopters and all that. And that was during, you know, the my sort of – I was doing orgone generators, and I was making them, and um, a lot of strange things were happening. Not strange, but uh, out of the norm. And um, – but then I realized that I am an orgone generator. Like the body that, that I'm in it is has all the has all the phi ratios. It has all the elements that are needed. So um, it, it, we are in a in a in an amazing weapon, for lack of a better words. We just don't know how to use it. 
And and um, I ended up in front of Buckingham Palace and shut down. There's a monument outside the gates, and that's that was one of their ma- massive um, energy things i don't even i don't even know what it is i don't really care but um i was able to shut it down and bring in archangels but that was done not through toroidal or any um any technique it was based on the document that i sent to the queen so it was contractual therefore i got the authority and was able to invoke the angels just by saying so and they came in and, and therefore had full authority. And I, I would give them full authority to take over that 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 site. And then they, the next day I flew home to Canada and they emptied my plane and were definitely looking for something or somebody that came out of London at the same time as me. And ended up with another two planes they emptied all on one carousel. Every, all baggage had to come off and all, all uh, passengers had to clear customs there, whether you were transferring um or not so you we were all were taken to the uns like basically had to go to the unsecured side of the airport two 747s there's a lot of people a lot of bags it was total mayhem so they were definitely looking for something or somebody um and they you know in front of buckingham palace is very cambered so they they saw me up on this thing and i had my phone with me because i was taking pictures of it but they may have thought that I had a like the, that it was a gadget of some kind, but it had it had nothing to do with the phone. So it was just um, using that contract that I defaulted the Queen on that went into spiritual realms, which gave me the authority to invoke the angels, which then gave them authority to come down and do what the, what they know best to do. And um, from that learning experience. We, in through prayer, ended up shutting down what we found out was called the Sword of Michael. And it's um, seven shrines stretching from um, uh, Ireland to Israel. They're in a straight line, and they line up with the sunset on the summer solstice. Right. I'm, yeah, I'm familiar with that Sword of St. Michael. Yeah. Yeah. So that got shut down just weeks before the summer solstice this past year. And what what I noticed um, was prior to that, a lot of the Satanists and Luciferian type people were were getting very bold and coming out uh, into the open and and setting up in front of buildings and all that. So they were getting very open right up until that time. And I didn't piece it together until after the fact. And I went, oh, so they were about to do a massive invocation on using that that grid as the power source well that got taken out a couple of weeks before and um so they they um now they've disappeared you don't see that uh that show of uh that blatant show anymore of of luciferians coming forward well that's fascinating to me because it sounds like you're saying that that grid you know that sort of saint michael which if you if you google it you'll see people saying oh you know this was um, a Templar project. If you if you look at the Marian cathedrals, you know, and there's Notre Dame, and there's Chartres, and Mont Saint Michel, and then there's you know um, Skellig Michael, that island off the coast of Ireland that was used for you know Luke Skywalker's base in in uh, in Star Wars, the ancient Jedi temple. But if you look at that, that that's that is a power grid that can be utilized for good, or it can be you know co-opted by the dark side. And utilized for their purposes. Is that kind of what you're saying? 
Yeah, and I think they've had it for a long, long time. And, you know, just so people have um, a sense of God moving, that was taken out just recently, like in the last, you know, just in June. And um, wow. in all of the time that they've that that's been here, they've had occupation of it, and it got taken out based on a document sent to the Queen. Well, that's fantastic. I love this. You know, uh, uh, Nancy and I did a show um, last year, whenever it was, a year and a half ago now, when um, Notre Dame burned, and we're hearing all kinds of different stories about okay, who really set the fire? Why? What you know in terms of the key point on on the power grid that Notre Dame is, you know, going back to when it was uh, a temple to the goddess in pre-Christian times, <clears throat> and and carrying on forward. And there were a couple of different stories. We did a whole show here on Radio Five G about what really went down at at Notre Dame, and that. I mean, one story was that, if you may remember, Cal, that happened just a, during Holy Week, like, a, like I think on the Monday or Tuesday before Good Friday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though, you know, Notre Dame got secularized a time or two during its long history, you know, after the revolution, it was the whole anti-clerical thing because the church was, you know, aligned with l'ancien regime and, you know, oppressing the people. And in comes Napoleon. He wanted to tear down Notre Dame and, and you know, for a while the church couldn't even do mass in there. Okay, well, now it's a Catholic church again. They're doing mass. They were going to do big Good Friday mass as per usual in, you know, the great cathedral of Paris. Well, the word was that the cabal was, was planning um, a massive false flag terrorist attack inside the cathedral on Good Friday and that the fire was set by the good guys in order to, first of all, remove that point on the power grid from cabal control and to prevent the the massacre that was planned in the cathedral for Good Friday. Um, I don't know what's true, you know, but um, there was there was even um, verified photographs of some um, strange unidentified plane or something that what was in you know a position to use a directed energy weapon on the cathedral at the moment when the fire began again you know whether that's actually true or not but it was certainly uh, an intriguing uh, piece of evidence that that indicated that might be the case but it, it does go to this whole question of um, you know when we invoke uh, angelic assistance. I mean, it reminds me of the story that we've shared here on Radio 5G a number of times. Um, in fact, even last last week or the week before, Nancy, I think we touched on it in terms of, you know, as you may or may not know, Cal, um, you know, Nancy is, is one of the foremost authorities uh, in the world, actually, on Shungite, um, you know, the remarkable mineral that is found only in, in northwest Russia that can provide uh, protection against EMF and Wi-Fi, that can purify water, that can, you know, prevent bee colony collapse, uh, that has a direct link to the quantum field by virtue of its incredibly high rate of spin and stability. And um, there was a moment where there was a massive environmental disaster in, in Colorado, and, and Nancy and her colleagues realized that only etheric versions of Shungite water cleansing devices 
could be moved into place in time with the help of if we invoked angelics, if we invoked devas and elementals, if we invoked, you know, the soul of the earth, Gaia herself. Uh, do you want to comment on that at all, Nancy? I've been jabbering on here. Uh, not really, except to say that, yes, all these things are possible. But when you're talking about the document to the queen, mm-hmm. okay, that states in in specifically, I don't need the details, but in spiritual terms, we know you have a contract and we're calling you on it. And because of that contract, you have to do these things or not do these things. Is that what we're talking about, basically, very simply? Yes, and and it. But uh, further to that, if you don't do them, then this is what is going to happen. You will go into default. Your authority is stripped. You don't have those possessions. And this goes up into heavenly realms, all the way to principalities, rulers, um, as all the things uh, mentioned in Ephesians. So that was all written in that document. So if you go into default, it goes all the way up into into the heavenly realms. So it was a it was an interface type document because she holds an interface uh, position between the spirit realm and 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 this three D thing. So that's that's what it that's what it did. So all the all the beings that were holding these seven hills and just so you understand um in revelation 17 it explains this and that's how we figured out what this this was because one of the ladies i was praying with saw seven seven hills and she didn't know what it was and i went oh i think that says there's something about that in 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 revelation and the other lady saw uh the sword and so we put it together and, and then we looked up the sword of michael i had never even seen the sword of michael before and i went there it is right there. There's the seven hills and they all have, most of them have the name of Michael as, as far as the shrine or the, they're using the name Michael on most of them. And they're in a, in a straight line and they line up with the summer solstice. It's a power grid and it's explained in Revelation 17 exactly what it is. That they, that the thing, uh, it had seven heads and, um, uh, and they had names of blasphemy. So if you use the name of Michael in a in the in the wrong way or in a negative way or the, without the proper authority, then that's called blasphemy. It's taking a heavenly thing and, and using it for something carnal. And so w- that all came within like a few minutes. Like boom, there it is, and and we took it out. And that was because I'd been trained f- um, on the one in front of. Buckingham Palace, and when I saw the the, the kerfuffle that it caused in Toronto, uh, I realized this is real. They they sensed what happened there, and they they're, they're looking for somebody or something. And um, so we took that out and and gave it to the to the archangels. But it's based on contract. There's rules of engagement. So it's like if you see the court system, once there's a once there's an order made, then you can have the sheriffs go and enforce that order and until you have that until you have that that document that order then the sheriffs won't move they can't move they can only move in limited limited capacity so you 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 create the order in the heavenly court going this is what happened there's a default here's my here's my order it gets granted okay now i'm invoking the sheriffs which are, are the archangels and the whole heavenly host if you need it they go down and enforce it 
Yeah, this is what um, this was the missing piece for the work that that um, me and my colleagues were doing um, in the International Court of Human Rights. Okay, so we're at our hour break, and we're back. All right, welcome back, everyone, to Radio Five G. Michael Henry Dunn with my co-host Nancy Hopkins, uh, and are interviewing our special guest, Mr. Cal Washington of the In Power Movement. So, um, yeah, picking up where we were, uh, Cal, we are, you know, looking at uh, this divinely inspired tool that's in hand, uh, the Notice of Liability, and, you know, what our focus on Radio 5G, I mean, obviously, you know, we're looking at all the consequences of fifth generation um, and how to counter it and how to neutralize it and what tools are in hand. So as, and, and then of course the vaccination aspect of the empower movement um, using the notice of liability um, for health sovereignty. And what I, one of the things I really like about the, the way you have, positioned the Empower Movement. Like if you go to the website, empowermovement.com, again, that's I-N, Power Movement. Um, You know, the, let's call it the branding, um, the the imagery, the appeal um, is very much something that, you know, can can, um, appeal to people who are not necessarily, let's call them, radically well-informed people who've been down all the rabbit holes, you know, uh, this is more something like, um, you know, regular folks who are just beginning to go, Hey, things are a little fishy here. What can I do about the fact that, um, you know, my wife has had two miscarriages since this 5g thing went up, or what can I do about the fact that I'm starting to check out the, where the money goes on, on the vaccination deal. Uh, and I'm, you know, or I'm noticing what happened with the smart meter on my home and, and that I can't sleep. Um, and all these other consequences are happening. So when we're looking at, um, <clears throat> I mean, I'll, I'll leave it to you, which one you, you'd like to, to pick because between, between fifth generation and, and the vaccination movement, we've, you know, we've covered a lot, um, on both of those and also the linkages between them, um, Maybe we can talk about the vaccination situation for a little bit. Um, how are you seeing the notice of liability um, play out? And and given the likelihood in the coming months that, you know, I know in, in Canada, I've heard that there's already what you might call a caste system, um, like in India, a modern version of it being prepared where, okay, so the good children who've gotten the vaccinations will be able to travel and they'll be able to receive, um, you know, COVID relief payments, but all you bad children, you know, who are part of this anti-vaccination movement, um, well, I'm sorry, but you cannot travel and you cannot receive payments and, you know, et cetera, that, um, that this is being prepared in well, Commonwealth countries, Australia, Canada, UK, um, are you seeing this, and and how can the notice of liability be used to counter this? Yeah, I mean that's the whole that's the goal worldwide is to get everybody vaccinated, and so that they can be for various reasons. Um, 
mostly to change the DNA because they 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 definitely want to alter these special bodies that we're in, um, you know, spiritually speaking. So they're they're trying to make us lose that connection with God, which is and it really an impossibility. But they think they can do it through. Um, you know, medical 3D means everything they do is is about trying to do something that is spiritual in essence, but doing it with technology and or some kind of me like the 3D means. And yeah, so the 5G, the the smart meters, um, the vaccinations, and even the spraying in the air are all one and the same thing. It's it's a it's a it's it, they work in concert. So. Um, the spraying in the air was not efficient enough to get, I mean, it's working because we, we are breathing it in, et cetera. But um, the vaccine is very, you know, you're definitely, you're getting it to each person. So that's, that's the ultimate goal. And in order to create that um, opportunity, then that's why we have a pandemic, which, which seems, you know, funny in at least to most of us. So that's that, the reason for the pandemic is for the so that they can vaccinate and the vaccination has to have a reason. Otherwise, people just aren't going to buy into it. So they have to create the fear in order to get us to, to willingly um, take a vaccination. That, and therefore, then 5G can work on based on what they put in that vac vaccine. So um, it's all about altering our DNA um, which goes back to the Book of Enoch and Genesis 6 when they were doing this the first time at, at the time of Noah, and that's when the flood happened. So Yeshua said, at the, as, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the end. So it's it's just repeating. They're, they're doing the uh, genetic ma manipulation. And um, so once you see what it is that they're doing, you just get a context for it and it helps to uh, get rid of the fear of it as well when you have a higher context. And so the Bible has a lot to say about most of this stuff. And um, it is the contract, and we need to actually get in there and read it, um, not, you know, not in a religious way. Just read it as a contract, and you'll start to understand uh, what's going on and what your role is in in this whole um, cosmic thing. And we are an extremely important role, like the focus of it. Wow. Well, when we're um, talking about the use of the notice of liability in, in this situation, and I'm, I'm really glad to hear you point out that all these things are linked between, you know, chemtrails, 5G, the pandemic, um, you know, the vaccination, that, that all of it is, is part of one agenda with with one overriding goal in mind and you know there is a, a, a fairly simple dynamic that you get down to um, between the forces who have decided to align with divine source with service to the good of all and forces who are aligned to service to self to the lower self to you know to domination um, for self-gratification it's about the recognition, I mean, it's, it's like in the movie The Exorcist, you know, the the demon possessing the girl, just, you know, at one point says, we're not denying God exists. We know very well God exists, but, you know, he is flawed. Uh, 
and we will create, you know, we will recreate the world in our image, right? So it's essentially about rebellion, at, you know, the rebellion of Lucifer. It's, it's about, um, yeah, well, we're going to take the rules. We're going to take the metaphysical truths. We're going to take the ways of working with high sacred science, and we're going to twist and pervert them and remake the world in our image for our selfish gratification. Uh, and, you know, that's essentially what's going on here with the linkage of of these, um, you know, of the, the things we're talking about between the fifth generation and the chemtrails and, and, and the vaccinations. And, and I, I'm, you know, glad to hear you talking about the Bible as, you know, as a contract. Just look at it that way, because that way, you know, it's a way to overcome people's um, skepticism about the Bible or, you know, this religion has, you know, the King James version is, you know, the Anglican Protestant version and then the Catholics have their version, etc. I mean, there's a lot to be said just on a academic, scholarly, linguistic level for why the King James version uh, is the most accurate and dependable link to the original Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic um, I've done a fair amount of reading about that, but, um, and when we were talking about the reasons for the pandemic, we had, uh, we've had our friend Mark Steele, who's a, you know, leading Stop 5G activist in the UK, mm -hmm. uh, on our show several times. And, you know, back a year or so ago, when they were dealing with the consequences, um, in, particularly in Mark's area uh, of England, and he's telling us, you know, it's a kill grid. They're rolling it out on the street lamps. It's a kill grid. It's a kill grid. And they're going to amp it up and people are going to be dropping like flies. And I said, well, Mark, I, you know, I hear you. Uh, you're the, you know, the energy weapons guy. You've looked at, you know, somebody threw, he was accosting some installation guys. And said, Don't you know what you're doing? You know, and, and they threw, they threw something at him. Well, they, they threw the tech at him. They threw, you know, it was like, oh, go away. They just picked up an object and threw it at him. Well, it was the key component. And you threw it at an expert. And the expert took it home and said, look at this, people. This is what it is. And so we said, well, you know, Mark, I'm, come on. You know, everybody starts dropping like flies. You know, they're just going to tear down the towers. Well, at that point, that was all pre-COVID. And, you know, none of us at that time said, well, they're going to roll out a pandemic. And that will be the cover story for why people are dropping like flies. Well, what I see happening here, and I'd love to hear your take on this, is that not enough people are dropping like flies. If you go back to a year ago, when the first dire scenarios were trotted out about the virus, you know, here in America, we went into lockdown because we were told that by the end of the year, there would be two million dead. Well, as we know, they've had to mess with the statistics. They've had to count every, you know, person dying of anything remotely like, you know, the flu or an infectious respiratory thing as a COVID death. And yes, there is a virus, you know. I mean, I'm not denying, and it's tragic, and, and people are dying of it. But it's not nearly what I think they intended. Um, and I like to believe that that's because of... Um, some divine intervention that we have specifically requested. As you say, it's, you know, we're invoking our right. We're invoking our side of the contract. And, and that's why 
you know, it's gotten bad enough so that enough people are waking up, but you know, the the worst of it has been prevented. Because if there were two million dead in the U.S. by this point, you know, there would be the fear would be irresistible, right? And it's not because you know you look at the overall death statistics from one year to the next, and you know people in America are dying at the usual rate. You know, we don't have an extra quarter million deaths in this country um, compared to any typical year. So when, when we're looking at this, I mean, let, let's say let's let's propose a hypothetical situation with mandated vaccinations coming in. You know, so I live in Colorado. So we've got a Democratic governor, Governor Polis. And he did this ridiculous thing on TV where he goes down to the FedEx station and they opened the garage door of the FedEx station and there's a guy in his FedEx uniform standing there with the first shipment of vaccine. The governor's like, look, it's arrived, right? Okay, so, you know, is it going to be mandated? Are we going to be able to say no? If we say no, are our rights going to be, you know, reduced or taken from us? And how can we use the notice of liability to counteract that situation? Well, everything that they're doing, this is when I saw the smart meter thing, I realized that it's commercial. So um, like the 5G thing is done by uh, telecom companies and corporations. The vaccine is vaccine corporations. Um, Everything is commercial. So they have to get our agreement. It was just what they've been doing. They've been using commercial means to get our agreement. Now, this is a spiritual agreement. We just don't understand that. But they want to be able to stand before the Most High God and say they agreed to this. And so that they're using commercial means. They've turned us all into merchants. And therefore, they're using commercial means to deploy weapons. So they are going to give the illusion of, of forcing it just like they are, they are with the masks. So the masks is... Um, is the precursor to the vaccine and they've got us they got people you know tattling on others etc it's the same old tactic that they use to try and get us divided and so we start to um, put pressure on ourselves you know one side against the other so it'll be that it'll be like that um there will be you know depending on when things unfold there will be they'll they will use that tactic of you can't fly but see flying is not a um it's not a right or uh, uh, or anything like that. It's 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 strictly commercial. You're not uh, you're not nobody's obligated to offer you a flight out of anywhere. Like it, it, there's no obligation there. So you have to sort of understand that we think that we have the right to to travel. Yes, you you can walk wherever you want, um, but um, you're not op- nobody's obligated to fly you anywhere. Um, nobody's obligated to do business with you. Um, we have the right to contract and and we have the right not to contract and so do they. So that's how commerce works, pure commerce. So what we're doing is we're 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 conditionally accepting what they're doing because you have to do things in in the proper way, otherwise you're you you go into what's called dishonor and it, it follows biblical principles and then the commercial principles are the same. So we're saying we will take your vaccine very happily if you can prove it is absolutely safe and you have to do it in an affidavit form, which is commerce and common law. If you don't, 
And so you have to continue. If you don't answer this affidavit and prove that this thing is um, safe, and then you force it upon me, then I'm going to charge you X amount of dollars per day. Um, do we have a deal? If you go silent, then you've agreed because that's what you were just doing to all of us. You were saying, here, we got this wonderful vaccine, and and then you, you're relying on tacit agreement. So that's that's the, the sort of the nuts and bolts of how it works. It's using their system against them, which is, again, in Revelation 18, uh, verse 6, take the cup that they've been giving you, fill it double, hand it back. And um, it, it's just a tactic. So it puts them in the dishonor position. It makes it very clear that we, um, we didn't disagree. We, we're staying in honor. We're honoring their claims and their everything about what they're doing, but they did not prove it safe. And that's, so the onus was on them to prove it in order to make this, um, this make it uh, that we'd agreed to the, to the vaccine or the, the 5G or any of these things. Right. So, that does, yeah. That goes right across the board. You know, some of the moratoriums, like in Switzerland, said, uh, well, we're going to pause the rollout of 5G in this particular, you know, canton of, of the Swiss Federation um, until it is proven safe. Right. You know, so it's like, OK, well, that's going to be a long time <laughs> you know, because it's lethal. So, yeah, this is this is good to hear. I'm sorry. I think you, you hadn't quite finished. No, no, no. I, I would, but so in order to in order to operate in pure commerce, because anybody can prove anything um, with a lie, but it has to be done in affidavit form. And um, you have to you have to swear to it, which invokes kind of a, a spiritual aspect to it. Um, because there's right. a, So help me God. Yeah, even if you don't have that, there's still that I swear to this and it's coming out of your voice, right? So you have to actually um, uh, verbalize it and or um, make an indentation on a paper with a pen, which is a 3D event. It's an actual thing that happens. It's a it's a it's an event. Uh, right. It's a sound. It's a it, it's something that goes into the 3D matrix. And so you've you've committed to that. It's a commitment. And um, and there's provable. It's provable that you did make that commitment. So that's what they're afraid of. And um, because the consequences, if this thing does not go the way they think it is, it, it are dire. And so that's why they they have a, such a desperation as well. They only have Plan A. They've been working on it for eons, and um, it's coming apart very quickly. Uh, but they don't have a Plan B, so they're really pushing Plan A. And as far as the um, the pandemic not panning out the way they thought it's my opinion based on on the 5g and how far they had rolled out they went uh at least one year early uh, uh i think they were i think they were planning on going um either this year or the following year and they had to go early because a certain president got in at the exact wrong time and um and it looked as as things were going, they tried to get him out for four years, but it looked like he's going to get another four years. And so that's why they went this past, like a year ago, because they knew that this um, November um, election was coming up and, that, and it was going to be difficult to dislodge him. So they went a year early and it didn't really pan out. So now they're really pushing and they're and they're getting uh, 
careless, like blatantly obvious because they don't have a plan B. Well, this is really good to hear. And it's kind of what I've been tracking too, you know, um, that, I mean, Nancy, you've talked about this, how when, when we first started out, you know, we, um, Radio 5G got launched in the wake of an interview that Nancy and I did on Project Camelot with Kerry Cassidy. And then we did a follow-up with Sasha Stone and and the two of us. Um, and Mark Steele, I think, was there too with, with Kerry. And we said, okay, well, hey, let's um, let's launch a radio station. And maybe, you know, we can work with Kerry and we'll cross-promote and get the word out. So at that point... You know, the, the Stop 5G movement was um, in its infancy. And Nancy, you've often said, you know, I would never have dreamed that, you know, within a year it would be global, it would be widespread, that it would take off. You know, we felt like a voice crying in the wilderness. And then before you know it, we're one of, you know, millions of voices saying, no, no way. Oh, okay, this is what's going down. No way. And that, um, you know, the bad guys saw, whoa, we've, you know, this is running away from us. Uh, too many pockets of light popping up in too many places. We're playing whack-a-mole and we're losing. Mm-hmm. And so we got to rush this deal. We go, you know, and, and you know, from, from our point of view, it, it kind of felt like, to a certain extent, it worked. I mean, you know, continuing to to push the stop 5G movement in the in the wake of the lockdowns and the pandemic and the fear mongering and the masks and all the rest of it, it was difficult to get people's attention. Uh, you know, whereas bef- right before COVID, you know, we'd had a lot of momentum. Um, but but what you're describing here um, is is really encouraging because um, you know from from what we're seeing here, yeah, they've. They've gone too fast. They've gone too early. They don't have a plan B. And if we just stick to our guns and and invoke this, you know, so so talking about the specific process of invoking the notice of liability. Now, um, when you go to empowermovement.com and, you know, you look at um, what's being offered, what's being pointed out, um, to enter into the the actual process, to have access to the community, um, to have access to, you know, the, all the all the videos and guiding people through the notice of liability, you do need to become a member of the Empower Movement community. You do need to make a donation of some kind on on a regular basis. You know, you have a a three month <clears throat> membership you can do for about um, thirty dollars. And and this is a really interesting thing to me because, um, you know, here at Radio 5G, we're part of the Cosmic Reality Radio and Sacred Academy of Global Evolution in, in Colorado. And, you know, we make appeals for donations, but we're, we're not saying, hey, you know, we've got great information, but we can only share it with you if you help us out and become part of our community because this is how we're able to do this work. Um and I think it's a dilemma that is faced, you know, by a lot of people who are who are doing this work right now, and people are just so quick to throw accusations at you of being some kind of money monger simply because you're saying, "Hey, you know, they, there are bills to pay to do this work," and you know, we we want to get it out to all of you, 
And then there's that principle that that kicks in where you give something away and people don't value it. You ask for an in-kind energetic exchange and people willing to give it, they're much more likely to follow through and, and actually have effective action uh, come to pass. So did you want to say a little bit about, about your process with that and, and how it, the organization evolved to, uh, you know, to offer all the, the notice of liability process um, through through donations and membership. Yeah, so we we had it out there for free um, for for quite a few years, and um, there were the, there, there were some issues that we learned. Um, number one, the documents got uh, changed. Um, some people would change them for their own personal use, but the actual templates got changed on our site, and we didn't know it. Um. And we had to go through word by word, letter by letter, comma by comma to find some of these. Uh, and some of the subtle changes were, were some of the changes were very subtle, especially in the Bible verses. Every Bible verse um, had some alteration to it, which is interesting. And they were things like change a colon to a semicolon, uh, comma to a colon, like really subtle. Like you had to literally go through it, um, you know, word by word to see it. And um so that was one thing. Um, uh, another thing is when we, uh, when Josh and I went on the Dr. Mercola show, um, after that, we got inundated by um, inquiries. And I was literally spending, you know, five, six hours a night answering emails. And um, so we realized this thing is way bigger than anybody thought it was, you know, like the potential of it is way bigger than anybody thought. And, um, we realized we have to have some kind of automation in order to be able to handle the amount of people going through it. It cannot be done manually. That said, that costs money. And so we have an LMS and it, there is a cost for each person to go on there. Every time they click, they're, they're considered a, um, a live subscriber. So there is a cost just straight up cost that comes out of that, out of, out of what you're giving so that we, we try to keep it as little as possible uh, and still cover um, the the hard costs of things. Then there is also the principle of when the um, Israelites came out of Egypt, they built what is called the tabernacle. Now this tabernacle was a it was a structure, and it and the, then there were structures inside the structures inside the structures. Uh, it was it was compartmentalized, very similar. It was it was uh, if you could really get into this, it it was a type of a man. So it had the same proportions, the phi phi ratios. Uh, it had the inner inner part where where God lives, and then there was the outer court and the outer and the, on and on. But each every person that came out of Egypt gave something to that um, to that structure, whether it was a piece of gold, a piece of fabric, a talent like of sewing, uh, uh, carpenters, goldsmiths, they all everybody participated in some way. And if you didn't have any um, uh, skills as far as craft, you just gave a piece of gold or a piece of, of, of whatever towards it. And that was that was a unifying um, experience because they, they, I think they were quite um, 
they weren't one. They were all slaves in Egypt, but they I think they were there was factions within the, within the the group that all came out, and they didn't necessarily see eye to eye on on all things. So this was a unifying thing. And um, what we're building is a, is a similar thing where it's worldwide and we're all participating and everybody has to give something towards it. And um, and this is a this is just a principle. So that's th those are sort of the reasonings why there had to be a um, a membership fee. Another thing that happened is we ended up learning how to set up a private organization in the United States called a church. Now, this member, it's it's a membership private um, society, for lack of a um, of a better way to describe it. So you have to become a member of it in order to get the protections uh, thereof. And um and and so we want this thing to operate in the private and when you're when it's when things are done in private they have less statutory um position to impose anything upon it so all of these things together is the reason why there's a membership fee okay well that makes sense this is good to hear the whole overview of this yeah, I'll just add one more thing. So what we also want to do is, besides the the um, notice of liability, is have other experts in their field, um, you know, exiting strategies, um, how to set up a family trust, um, all these things that, that that I have, you know, I have a little bit of knowledge of, but I'm not, a, I wouldn't consider myself uh, an expert. But there are people who have spent as much time as I did on what I know on these other things. We want to add those in as part of the membership fee, and you will get those, and that part of that membership fee will go to pay those people, et cetera, et cetera. So it will, it will, what we're trying to do is create a win-win situation so that everybody is getting way more than they're putting in um, back. Right. Okay. Yeah, this, this makes a great deal of sense to me. You know what? Um, we've been focusing on here on Radio 5G, and I'd, I'd love to ask Nancy's comment on this, you know, gradually coming to see, okay, um, we're entering kind of the home stretch of, of the battle, if you will, uh, here, you know, and particularly if, if the Biden administration comes in and we're getting the mandated vaccinations and all the rest of the stuff that's happening, um, that we want to consistently be focusing people's attention on the most effective tools, most strategically well-positioned, divinely bestowed tools that we can possibly implement um, that, you know, that we cannot really be prevented from using because we're operating on this higher level. You know, you go into the streets, you start tearing down 5G towers, okay, you're on their turf and you're behind bars and, you know, you get demonized uh, in the press as terrorists, etc. But if we're in, you know, so what we've been focusing on, um, you know, the, the gift of Gaia that is Shungite, you know, I, you probably haven't had, had time to familiarize yourself with the... Um, really amazing blend of 3D and, and 5D um, 
dynamics of 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 healing and intentional how the quantum works with human intention and consciousness and how how shungite you know interacts with with other elements and it's it's a pretty amazing tool not only for protection against 2g 3g 4g but you know invoking shungite's ability to um to access the quantum is also you know potentially has aspects with 5g and then this tool of the notice of liability and its divine origin to me when I, I think of it in tandem with things like the Holy Grail Vortex Protocol, working with toroidal energies, interfering with the frequency of of the virus at that level, that these are the things, you know, that and, and keeping our own frequency high, not buying into the fear, not buying into the division, um, you know, working within the divine rules that even the bad guys have to follow. To me, these are the brilliant strategies that are basically unstoppable if enough of us just see them and stick to them you know they're they're basically unstoppable and so um nancy do you want to hop in here on on this this aspect uh well i'll tell you excuse me i i could but what i i want to go a little off track here just to find some information out for my own education here. And Cal, when when you're talking, I have read, well, let me put it to you this way. I read the first third of the Bible, and I got so <clears throat> ticked off at all this begetting and begetting and begetting that <laughs> I just kind of like lost interest in it. And so I knew that God, the author of the book, knew about writing what I knew, you tell them what you're going to tell them, you tell them it, then you tell them what you told them. So I went back to Genesis, read it again, and then jumped right into Revelation. And when I when I looked at it and saw what it was, it just made so much sense. It like, you know, oh, we had it there, and then because we wanted to take from the tree of knowledge, took from the tree of knowledge, now we get thrown out of this wonderful place to go live, you know, the tree of life. And, you know, in the last phrase in the, the King, Jer- King James Version that I was working with, it said, anyone who would take away from the prophecy of revelations will be written out of the book of life. And I found that to be very telling. Um, when I saw the Mandela effect on the Bible... One of the things I did not, I could not find again was that last statement. It was just missing, and yet I'm I'm clear about it. I've talked about it. I've worked with it for a very long time. So when you're pointing to the to the to the Bible, do you see it under attack by Man, the Mandela as an attack, or do you not know what the Mandela effect is? I assume maybe you do. And if it is real, can you give us what your interpretation is of it? I, I'm, I'm aware of the Mandela effect, and um, I would say that there is some things that I was quite certain of um, that seem to be not there. Um, so I'm not sure. I do know that there would have to be an agreement on this, or that something of a higher order is going on, like a you know a timeline coming through, or something like that. 
Um, I'm aware of them jumping timelines. Um, they especially are trying to jump a timeline to get around what we're doing because we're capturing literally all of the money, and I'll leave it at that. But um, um, and so they tried to they tried to jump timelines, but they couldn't they could not get to this stage where they're at right now without money. Believe it or not, it was their Achilles heel, and um, because they can't come up with a scenario where you where you um, force or coerce seven billion people into um, agreeing to have weapons built uh, without money, and um, so we were able to capture all of the money, even though they were jumping timelines and going back and changing things uh, back in history. So I'm not sure um, if. The Bible has been affected, but it uh, there's a still enough in there, and the contract still stands. So I, I don't worry too much about that. Um, uh, if you get what I'm saying, it would it, they would never be able to remove uh, some of the key points in there without uh, a massive uh, court type um, argument discussion and a, and a final agreement on it. So. For instance, the Book of Enoch was taken out of the Bible, the whole thing, and uh, it was in the Bible, um, but it was brought, it was taken out for a, for a period of time, a few hundred years, or well, more than a few hundred years, but but it, you can see that it was uh, the agreement was it would be um, brought back at the end so that we had a little more specific information, and then all of a sudden they discovered it again, you know, it, within our lifetime, and um, and that book is very telling about who is who and, and what is what, and you, and you get a, a, diff, um, a definite context. So what I'm trying to say is there's always rules of, you know, what's allowed to be here, what we're allowed to see, um, in order to make sure that we are never given too much so that um, what, we, what, what, what God does not want to have is Lucifer appealing any kind of uh, final judgment on this. So we have to come in a very forgetful state, discover it on our own, um, figure it out, make orders. All the all these things have to be done in a certain way. Otherwise, there will be an appeal like that God acted like God and cheated. And the whole point of all of this, I, I think uh, Michael um, just slightly alluded to it, is there is a, a claim in Isaiah. I think it's uh, Isaiah 13. And that is Lucifer claims to be God and that's what this is all about and that claim is being adjudicated right now and there has been appeal after appeal and we've gone I think we've gone through these cycles over and over and I think we're at the final one where there are, there is not going to be any appeals the way I'm seeing this uh, playing out and all the pieces that are happening all simultaneously is beyond uh beyond uh any man coming up with this this is this is a massive master chess player playing uh um making moves that are just incredible so that the opponent actually um is creating his own noose like putting his own noose around his own neck so that there is no chance of appeal and and we will literally move on from this well this is fascinating to me you know what you're describing cal um, when we talk about the Archangel Michael, now, you know, Michael is 
my given name and my mother uh, chose to specifically, you know, with this in mind, name me after the archangel. And so when I you know, got to be a teen- teenager and was looking into etymology and, you know, origin of names and it's like, oh, so Michael is Hebrew in origin, Mikhail, and that it literally means who is like God. And I thought, well, gee, that's kind of a big thing for a name to mean. But I was misinterpreting it. It is the battle cry of the heavenly host, mm-hmm. Mikhail. And it doesn't mean that somebody named Michael, you know, is somebody who is like God. What it means is who is like God. No one is like unto God. Lucifer, no, you are not. Um, you, you are not able to to claim he's like who is like god you like who is like a no one this is the battle cry of the heavenly host sorry lucifer <laughs> you know the jig is up and um your effort to disguise yourself as the divine author uh is your downfall correct so that said right now um a large portion of descendants of adam are following Lucifer, like they are believing the lie right now, like right here, right now, and you can see it. And um, so you got to understand that this thing is still up in the air. Like there's still that claim can actually be, um, it can be satisfied. God literally took a um, because he's just and the, and he cannot be unjust, cannot be unfair. Actually, had to look at that claim. Okay. I see I see your point. I see your argument. I see your claim. I see your your what you're trying to do, what you're trying to say here. And how do we adjudicate this? Because you know, being God, I can just erase everything. And so right. that's what's going on here is there is a um a being that had the breath of God put in him. It's all on page one. And and that being came in here and doesn't understand fully, doesn't have the full capacity of understanding who that being is. And that's what this is about. And um, so the more people that wake up and, and start to invoke their authority, the, the claim gets like, as I loved what you were saying, and you said it very slowly, and you actually repeated it. Lucifer, no. Lucifer, no, it's not happening. That's what we need to ha- start happening. And I'm not saying talk to Lucifer, but that's the attitude you want to have. No, it ain't happening. Yeah, this is reminding me of, there's a chapter in Dostoevsky in the Brothers Karamazov called The Grand Inquisitor, where you know these guys are sitting at a tavern and he tells this story to him to illustrate a point about human freedom. And he says, so we're in the, suppose we're in the age of the Inquisition. Spanish Inquisition. And, you know, the Grand Inquisitor occupies this position of rooting out heresy, putting people to the torture, putting people to the stake, to death, you know, for heresy, etc. And Christ reappears, walks the streets of the town, healing, raising from the dead, in the middle of the Grand Inquisitor's jurisdiction, Christ himself, Jesus, reappears and people are flocking to him. And so, of course, he's arrested and he's put in the dungeon. And the Grand Inquisitor comes down to face the prisoner. 
And the Grand Inquisitor looks at Christ and knows who he is and says, why have you come back? Why are you trying to restore to the people the divine freedom, which through the creation of the church and the false intermediaries and the fear of hell, we persuaded them to give to us. Why are you trying to restore this freedom to them? They don't really want it. They don't really want the divine sovereignty that is their inherent gift. It took a long time for us to make everything safe and nice and easy where they voluntarily surrendered their freedom to us. And now here you are again. Now you've come back and you're trying to you know you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And you know what we're going to have to do, don't you? We're going to have to do it all over again. I mean, it's tragic. I mean, it makes me cry practically every time I retell this story because, you know, there's just so much evidence that it's true. You know, you get all these people saying, oh, okay, you know, Lucifer is going to give me a nice big COVID deposit in my bank account. And, you know, if I uh, take the DNA changing vaccine and, you know, okay, whatever. Uh, And, you know, only 10 percent of the people who you, you know, give this presentation to have even read the Bible that they are saying they don't believe in. Right. So but but I got to believe, you know, I'm an optimistic person. And um, when I see all the, you know, when I see the awakening, when I see the gift of guy that is Shungite and that, you know, Nancy and and her colleague Derek Condit have a, a grid that you can pull up on the Internet of how Shungite has been systematically spread across the globe to to increase the the access to the quantum field and the healing energies that you know they can't stop it so anyway this this yeah this is um but it goes to the heart of it it's enough of us have to wake up enough of us have to say no um to the luciferian agenda and i feel like it's happening i mean and i and i love the um the inherent brave optimism that I see in in what you're doing at at empowermovement.com of putting this tool out there for people, and I'm I'm going to personally sign up. You know, we don't currently have huge financial resources either, but you know, you got to put your money where your mouth is, and and make that energetic exchange that that as you say, everybody throws their their little bit in is you know like the piece of gold goes into the tabernacle or oh, gee I only have my my lamb or my duck, or, you know, this old uh, shirt, <laughs> you know, but I become, you know, a part of the covenant of yeah. the tabernacle because I give what I can. That's correct. Yeah, so, you know, uh, that story, uh, I think that's how it has been up until now. I, I really can't see this being um, repeating it's it's being set up because I understand the court system and and even commerce and all that. It's being set up where there is a massive default and there is no chance of appeal. Like there is no technicality that um, Lucifer can come up with where God cheated or or the angels came in early or or, or overstepped their boundaries. So everything is being done um, perfectly. And when those you know that that um, those seven hills, the, the sword of Michael, that being taken out at this point in history is 
is profound when you think about it because that's you know when you read it, Revelation 17 it's saying that the the horror that's its power source it sits on that beast that's where it's drawing from and that was taken out in all of history uh, um now wow this is um you know here in Creststone I came to Creststone because I I was introduced to um a man named Reverend William Bueller and he was a retired U.S. Naval commander and had become ordained as a priest in uh, the liberal Catholic Church and was one of the foremost living authorities on the grid system and the ley lines and the, the Templar knowledge of how the grid systems and the ley lines and, and the sword of St. Michael were, were used, were created, how they were meant to um, assist the ascension timeline and also the recognition of how they could be co-opted and abused, you know, by by the dark side. And you know, I'm I don't go in for reincarnation stories a lot. I mean, I, I happen to um, be empirically convinced that it's you know a, a fact of, of spiritual evolution. But in terms of like saying, oh, this person had a past life as this person, or I was so and so, you know, it's like t- trying to trot out your you know, reincarnational resume to impress people. It's like, uh, you know, it's a waste of time. But um, but Bill Bueller uh, had, and is, you know, a, a man of great brilliance and integrity and guts. And, um, and he had his own memories confirmed, you know, from credible um, sources. And the Templar order, it's... It, it's manifestation in the medieval times because, of course, the origin of the Templar order go much further back. Goes through, you know, goes through the Sufis and to the Essenes and to Pharaonic Egypt and to, to the Guardian priesthood, the Jedi, you know, from which the Jedi were inspired by George Lucas. Um, and it's my strong impression, let's put it this way, that um, Bill had been in a previous life um, Bernard of Clairvaux. Uh, Saint Bernard of Clairvaux, one of the, you know the, a doctor of the church, as they say, but who was the sponsoring patron because of his prestige of the Templar Order in their earliest beginnings. That yes, it was possible to be both a warrior and a monk. It was possible to serve Christ, and of course, yeah, they were the shock troops, you know, for the Crusaders, and they they got co-opted, and you know things went badly wrong. But at the inner circles level it was about the sword of saint michael it was about utilizing these divine energies to assist human freedom and and enlightenment i hate to interrupt but we've only got two minutes left two minutes left go for it well cal why don't you just you know tell us what you would like us to to know as a parting you know go get them kids (laughs) Yeah. Well, as was said earlier, um, come, uh, get out of fear in some way, even if you have to use anger. Um, uh, don't stay in anger, but like just you got to move out of the fear state. And um, God is not on the throne, wringing his hands going, oh, what do I do now? So uh, just understand that um, 
there is a master plan going on. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm what we're doing is a part of that, but I'm seeing other things that are going on independent of us all in, in this massive coordination. It's just incredible to watch. And um, it may seem very dark because that's, you know, they're really pushing hard, but um, darkness cannot extinguish light. Light is not the absence of darkness. Um, darkness is the absence of light, and it cannot be the other way around. So um, as long as there's some light here, and, and if you can get out of fear and start adding to that, um, it, it just is it, going to move this thing much quicker. And that's, that's it. But we are going to win. And as a matter of fact, I'm already living in the state where we have won. Uh, it's, it's just lagging behind, and um, it, you know, it just because of the 3d thing so i'll leave it at that and right uh, yes. yeah that old 3d thing <laughs> <laughs> slow things down a bit well this has been um so amazing cal on, on so rich on on so many levels and um i'm so appreciative of you taking the time to be with us and we will um certainly when we promote all our our shows, but you know, I'm going to go the extra mile to uh, to share this one around uh, because I, I regard the information that you've shared with us as the most essential overview of what we'll call the divine strategy. You know, um, that is already in play. So, Nancy, do you want to uh, add a closing word here? Well, just to thank you so much, Cal, uh, for your work, your life work. And for being such a voice of reason, <laughs> we can get through this. You know, a lot of times we look at the, at the, you know, the 3D because you have to understand the 3D. But we try so very desperately not to let people get caught in the quagmire of it. Look at it, right. observe it, understand it, but understand that the way you beat it. You know, it's like the song that we did, you know, Invisible by Hunter Hayes. It's, we're so strong, we don't have to go to war. This is an individual battle. And somebody said recently to me, you know, the question of selfish, um, because you really do have to be, what I was saying, selfish in order to protect yourself first. You've got to be strong. You've got to be together and, and stable. And she said, no, the word should be selffulness. Selflessness. Wow. You know, nice. and uh, so I'm, I'll leave that with everybody there. Self, selffulness. Yeah. And so again, everybody, uh, this was InPowerMovement.com. Um, you know, please go there to, to check out in detail everything that Cal has shared with us. And, uh, you know, if you feel prompted to, to join the Empower Movement community with a donation, uh, that helps this notice of liability work go forward. So thank you all for being with us. This is Radio 5G, a joint project of Cosmic Reality Radio and the Sacred Academy of Global Evolution in Colorado. And we'll see you next time, folks. God bless us, everyone. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. May it be. Oh, let it-